Your news programme every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Now then, aid agencies recently announced that they would be joining a boycott of detention centres in Greece where they've been helping refugees and migrants arriving from all over the world, but including Syria and war-torn parts, and while also saying they reject a new pact between the European Union and Turkey to return all new irregular migrants to Turkey. Now, to hear more about this boycott, we're joined by Mr Imad Aoun, spokesperson for Save the Children, currently based in Greece. Good morning to you from Seoul. Good morning. Great to have you with us. How have these negotiations between the EU and Turkey then affected you? Well, uh, the situation on the ground is, is pretty uh, chaotic. It's a bit confusing for us as aid agencies, but also for the people affected by this, refugees, migrants from Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, and a lot of other countries. There's just generally a lack of information being exchanged, a lack of uh, communication. It's unclear who's going to be sent back to Turkey. It's unclear who's going to end up staying in Greece. And then for those who are going to be in Greece, it's unclear what the legal options are for them. So uh, for us to save the children, as, as you mentioned earlier, we've uh, limited most most of our activities, most of our basic services in the camps, and it's a form of uh, it's a form of uh, sort of we're really not happy with the deal. With, we're not happy with the EU deal with Turkey. Um, a lot of the other agencies as well are saying it's illegal. We can't really um, participate in it. We can't uh, you know subsidise it. So in a way, we're all limiting our activities in these detention centres on the islands. And you know we still have some activities going on, some limited activities. So we still have access to the camps, and we know that the conditions are deteriorating. Uh, people are incredibly frustrated. There's been a lot of demonstrations and sit-ins. So uh, it's it's uh, deteriorating overall and, um, you know, I, I think it's going to get worse moving forward unless something happens to resolve all of this. Yeah, I mean, an obvious question with respect, Mr. Owen, from all those uh, donors out there, the members of the public who've been obviously mm. trying to support charitable efforts to help refugees in, in a desperate situation would be, you know, does this not mean that, that these people are being left unsupported? Sure. I mean, it's really it's really a dilemma for us uh, as humanitarian actors. On one hand, we want to be able to assist as many people as possible. On the other hand, we want to be, we don't want to participate in a system or in a scheme that we think is illegal and that is overall putting more people at risk. Uh, just to mention, at the same time, we as Save the Children are scaling up our activities everywhere else in Greece, so in Athens, uh, at the border in the north. So in a way, we're trying to balance it out that way. And just to mention as well that the, the government has taken over some of the activities that we've suspended, we as aid agencies have suspended. So in a way, uh, the government is covering some of these gaps. It's always, it's always a question that we face in multiple crises around the world. Uh, do we want to be complicit in a scheme that we think is illegal, or do we want to keep, you know, keep our activities um, as they are? So it's really a dilemma that we also discuss internally, and uh, it's a difficult decision, but uh, in this case specifically, we had to suspend some of our basic activities. Some of these detention centres in uh, Greece, I mean, that's exactly what they are, rather than facilities for refugees to be kept. Isn't that right? 
Absolutely. So, I mean, when we're talking about the facilities on the islands, uh, some of them were originally detention centers decades ago before the crisis escalated. Uh, in other cases, there were military camps that are being turned into transit facilities. Overall, one of the main concerns that we have is that uh, when these facilities were turned into uh, facilities to host refugees and migrants, they were meant to be transit facilities. Uh, so they would host a couple hundred people passing through in a few hours because uh, most people just wanted to go through, register, and then cross the border and keep going. Now, as they're being turned into detention centers, uh, they're not being necessarily equipped to, to host thousands of people for long periods of time. So, uh, for example, I'll give you an example of Moria Camp in Lesbos. It was originally designed to host about 600, 700 people transiting through. At the moment, and as of yesterday, it had 3,300 people who've been uh, who've been detained there since uh, March 21st, basically. So, uh, again, this is another serious concern in terms of whether these facilities are going to be able to host people for long periods of time, and what's going to happen moving forward, because it's only for example, today, only 120 people were sent back to Turkey and people are still arriving in Lesbos. So we're going to see numbers continuing to increase in these facilities. And it's unclear uh, how people are going to be able to, to, to stay in these facilities and live in decent conditions. So would it be fair to say that, you know, there are a number of these factors compounding together that led to your boycott? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think... The main thing to keep in mind here is that our issue is with the EU-Turkey deal, with that deal. Uh, and the detention centers on the islands are really being used as cornerstones in the, in the implementation of the deal. So, um, you know, we think the deal is inhumane, we think the deal is illegal, and these detention centers are being used to facilitate this deal. And this is the reason why we, again, suspended some of the basic services that we provide, and a lot of other agencies are the same. As I mentioned, we do maintain some activities in the camp, like our child-friendly space, which is really more like a, a daycare or a nursery for young children to come and play and engage in some education activities. So we do have some a level of activity still ongoing, but for the most part, we did suspend the basic services just because we cannot be seen to be complicit in this scheme that we do believe is illegal. What were those sort of basic services, just for clarification? Sure. Um, we initially we were we were providing transportation um, to the registration center when it used to be a registration center. So before it got turned into the detention center. So basically, when people arrived in the boats from Turkey, we would pick them up in buses and then drive them to the registration center. We also distributed food. Uh, we also distributed items like clothes. Uh, when it was cold, when it was winter, we were distributing uh, coats, jackets, boots, hats, gloves. Um, and we also distribute some supplies for pregnant women and women who uh, were breastfeeding. So some of these, for example, the, 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 the supplies that we were distributing for women who were breastfeeding and pregnant women, we were still maintaining that. But the military and the government took over the distribution of food um, and the distribution of some winter clothes and some other clothing items. So the military took over some of the basic services that we suspended. Uh, but this was the extent of what we were doing before the suspension. Is the government not putting pressure on you, though, to, um, to resume? You know, I can only imagine they're not wanting to continue supplying those uh, things well, forever. Well, I mean, we... we um, 
right before we suspended, we kind of uh, also transitioned some of these uh, activities. So after the suspension, we made sure that at least the government was covering some of this. So it was more of a coordinated uh, effort. And we do, I mean, we work generally even before the suspension, before the EU-Turkey deal. We work working closely with the government in terms of making sure that all the basic services were covered. Uh, if it was something we were not doing, we were training them to do. So, for example, government officials are the ones usually that register people when they arrive in the camp. So we were training them on how we were working with them on how to identify, for example, children traveling alone or young people who needed some kind of specific assistance. So it's been a joint effort, really. And um, since the suspension, I think they kind of understood our position and then agreed to take over some of the services that we weren't able to provide. But for a country like Greece that's been struggling with such an influx of uh, mm. refugees, asylum seekers, what's the the political feeling about so many people then being sent back to Turkey? Well, I mean, uh, generally, I think everyone agrees that Greece has been uh, made to bear the brunt of this crisis. Um, and this is, again, one of the main concerns with the EU-Turkey deal. I mean, we were we were told as part of the deal more resources were going to be sent to Greece to be able to process people in the detention centers faster. So then it can be decided whether they have to go back to Turkey or stay in Greece. So uh, there were a lot of talks from European governments and EU leaders on how they're going to send more resources to Greece, make sure that Greece is capable uh, of handling all of this added pressure. There's probably going to be a lot more people applying for asylum in Greece. So um, none of this has materialized. So again, we've seen that the returns to Turkey have started and people have started being detained before any of the human resources promised to Greece uh, ever got to Greece. Mm -hmm. So that, that again is a major criticism of, of the EU leaders that put the deal together with Turkey. Because yes. it kind of makes it seem as if the priority has always been to, to just move people out of sight and out of the way before you ensure that the process um, is, is being respected in, in a way that is in line with international standards and human rights. So I think um, we're all trying to support each other as aid agencies but also the government and there's a lot of concern over whether the EU and European leaders are actually really interested in supporting this process or just pushing as many refugees and migrants out of the way as quickly as possible. Finally just to tie up that loose end on Turkey because some of our listeners might not be too familiar yeah. with what the problem is with uh, being sure. based there. Why do the refugees that you're working with not want to go there? Well, uh, a lot of these people transited through Turkey, whether they were getting out of Syria or whether uh, out of Iraq or Afghanistan. Um, people, when they leave the, their home countries, they want what's best for themselves, what's best for their children. And many of them have family in countries like Germany, have um, you know relatives in countries like Austria, Sweden, the Scandinavian countries. And uh, generally, that's the main destination for these people. They've sold everything they owned, and they've probably worked with smugglers at some point to be able to leave their country of origin, cross Turkey, and then cross the water to Greece. So for them, any kind of return is seen as a defeat or um, it's seen as a step backwards, mm -hmm. basically. And mm -hmm. they've already risked their lives crossing the water, and many have died crossing uh, the, the Aegean Sea between Turkey and Greece. So uh, for many of them, Turkey is not the place they want to be. If they wanted to be there, they would have stayed there because they transited through it. And, um, and I think, lot. I mean, it's a combination of things. There's economic opportunity in countries uh, in West Europe, in Scandinavia. Uh, there's education opportunities, there are opportunities for asylum seekers, and many, many probably feel that these opportunities are not available uh, in Turkey. And that's something that we, of course, raise as well. 
because we're not really sure uh, what kind of protection Turkey is going to be able to provide to these people. There are a lot of guarantees and safeguards that haven't put, haven't been put in place yet uh, before the implementation of the deal. So uh, a lot of concerns as well regarding whether Turkey is going to be able to handle the additional numbers of people going back to Turkey. Mr. Owen, we've got to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Imad Owen, spokesperson for Save the Children. You can email any questions you might have after that, efmthismorning at gmail.com.